0: love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well look no further and join me Katie with your the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight and of course women who have been misrepresented through all time on Who Did What Now? The history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.
1: If you like this podcast can we recommend another one?
2: As they lift the lid and cautiously
3: peer inside the box of oddities. And now, another episode of Why I Married Katrina Walls. I love your quirkiness. Thank
0: you. This
3: is one of the things that drew me to you like a moth to one of those really bright things that moths are drawn to. I am mm-hmm.
0: um, <laughs> I always know that this is going to lead to something embarrassing about me. No. Like, <laughs> this
3: is... Not at all. No, it's endearing. Mm-hmm. It's endearing. Uh, we've been trying to practice gratitude uh, more and more. Like, for example, at night I'll go out on the balcony and I'll just... Uh, I'm so grateful for my life and mm-hmm. for the opportunity to, uh, to do the box of oddities and to be married to my beautiful bride and, and my health. I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. And so Kat kind of took a cue from me on that. And I'm lying in bed and I hear her shutting off the lights in the kitchen and I hear her go. Good night, air fryer. I didn't know you heard that. It's so adorable. I'm wondering if this is going to develop into. Or will you be saying good night to all
0: of our small kitchen appliances? I hate you a little bit. <laughs> um. It's so cute. You're a dick. Let's move on.
3: Well, I was I was talking to the blender this morning, and Stop. and the blender's feeling a little left out. Stop. And feels as though perhaps you favor the air fryer.
0: Okay, I'm sorry. It's a Vitamix. You know it should never feel unloved because I tell it every time I use it. I'm like, you're the nicest blender in the whole world. That's true.
3: That's true. She got into an ugly argument with the can opener, though. Stop it. It's going to be a new segment I call Life with Cat. It's going to be great. Still a weed. Okay, so here we go. Um, I've got something for you here and uh, you know how we've done like 370-some-odd episodes. Yeah. During that time, we've talked about some some pretty dark and disturbing things. Of course. That's not all we cover, of course. We try to find the humor in things. I'm not sure I can find the humor in this one. Oh, no. I'm not sure if this is the darkest story that we've ever done, uh, but it's certainly one of them. So right out of the box, trigger warning, uh, this story involves not only murder... Uh, but cannibalism.
0: Okay. That sounds pretty average for the show.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, back in the 1880s, James S. Jameson, he was heir to the Jameson Whiskey Fortune. Oh, okay. He was the great-great-grandson of John Jameson, the guy who founded the whiskey uh, distillery in Ireland. Now, like many, many heirs to vast fortunes, of the time, or just rich white guys in general, he fancied himself a bit of an adventurer.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: And bear in mind, this was the late 1800s. It was a period when British explorers would don their pith helmets and dash around the globe, exploring the far reaches of the earth that had not yet been documented by rich white guys. Um, Right,
0: well, it's like we were talking about with Squid Game, and spoiler alert for Squid Game, mm But, um, you know, that whole idea of you have so much money that everything is boring because you've already done it before. So you, you've got to become an explorer in order to find things that interest you.
3: Squid Game, though, uh, five stars.
0: Yeah. On this week's segment of JG and Cat Recommend. Now,
3: the Jameson dude, he wouldn't go adventuring and exploring on his own. So what they would do in those days is they would just tag along with more accomplished explorers on their expeditions. Okay. Just kind of by their way on, pretty much. In 1888, Jameson joined the Amund Pasha Relief Expedition. Uh, this particular expedition was headed by the famed explorer, Henley Morton Stanley. Uh, it was a trek across Central Africa, supposedly to bring supplies to Amund Pasha, the leader of the Ottoman province. Okay in Sudan. Um, It had been cut off from its supply route by a revolt that was taking place at that time. Of course, there was an an ulterior motive for this expedition, like like many, and that was to annex more land for the Belgian Free State Colony uh, in the Congo. There are several sources of this particular incident. They come from Jameson's very own diary from his wife, and from a translator who was on the trip.
0: I'm sorry, did I just hear your fingers crack as you were listing off one, two, and three? Yes,
3: yes, you <gasps> did. Yeah. Trigger warning, finger cracks. Now, these three different accounts vary in minor details, but they all agree on the major occurrences. Okay. Jameson wrote in his diary, quote, The last six months have been the most miserable and useless I have ever spent anywhere. Ever since my childhood, I've dreamed of doing something good in this world and making a name which was more than just an idle one. So in June of 1888, the expedition had reached Ribakiba, which was a trading post deep in the Congo, in the area that was known for its cannibal population. Oh, no. Now, Jameson was in command of the rear column. He'd gotten to know a guy named Tipu Tip who was a local fixer, but he was more well-known as a slave trader in the area.
0: The rear column? I don't understand what that means. Of
3: the uh, expedition. He was bringing up the rear.
0: Okay. (laughs) He was just in the back. He was in the back. Got it.
3: But he was in charge.
0: Oh, okay. He was in charge of the back. (laughs) Is that just something that they did for the rich folk? I (laughs) think so, yeah. Yeah, you're the boss, but you're the boss back there.
3: (laughs) (laughs) An eyewitness account, comes from Assad Faran, who was a Sudanese translator on the expedition. He's the one that brings this story to light. If it hadn't been for him, this trip may never have been found out or discovered by the outside world. What occurred on it, anyway. When Stanley returned to check on the rear column, Faran told him of the account and the events. He also later recounted them in an affidavit that was published in the New York Times.
0: What events? Here we go. Obviously, the the expedition had to have been a large party if he had to like travel back in order to yes. check in on the okay. I'm so sure. it wasn't like you know a party of ten, and no, he was, was just the last person it in was line, like a, like a caravan,
3: a caravan or a uh, military squadron. Okay,
0: got it, thing. got it, got it, got it, got
3: it. According to Farran, Jameson told Tipu Tip, the slave trader. He was interested in seeing cannibalism firsthand. Oof. He said that uh, Tipu then proceeded to locate and talk to the chiefs of the village, telling them of Jameson's interest in witnessing cannibalism. They then produced a 10-year-old slave girl. No. According to uh, the eyewitness account, Jameson paid the slave trader six handkerchiefs for this girl. What? The translator then went on to say that the chiefs told their villagers, quote, this is a present from the white man who wishes to see her eaten.
0: What? No. Okay, you didn't trigger warning a child being eaten.
3: Uh, yeah. That is
0: terrible. Ugh.
3: Now, this is where it gets really, really, really disturbing. The I account, mean,
0: I'm pretty disturbed. Well, the
3: account is, it goes into great detail.
0: Oh, please don't.
3: No, I'm not going to. Okay. Ferran said, quote, the girl was tied to a tree.
0: Whoa, you're getting into detail.
3: Natives sharpened their knives all the while. And then it goes into a very descriptive move by move almost oh. of what took place. And I, I can't bring myself to read it out loud. It was disturbing enough to scan over it. If you would like to uh, read the uh, official account of what happened... Uh, it's pretty easy to find on the interwebbles. The one thing I will share from his recounting of the event is that uh, the girl never screamed throughout the ordeal, he said. Quote, The most extraordinary thing was the girl never uttered a sound nor struggled until she fell.
0: No, I'm sorry. Didn't earlier he wrote in his journal that he wanted to be someone who left something good in this world? Was 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 viewing a child being eaten part of that goodness that well, he was spreading about?
3: Clearly, that's this not some goodness. bullshit goodness. Um, now he claims that he thought it was all a joke.
0: Way to just deny that you had any responsibility in this.
3: The eyewitness from the translator said in his testimony, "Quote Jameson. In the meantime." Mood, make sketches of the horrible scenes. Uh. Jameson went to his tent where he finished his sketches in watercolor. Uh, now, Jameson, as I mentioned, he said he didn't realize it was happening. In Jameson's own diary, he does admit to making the sketches, though. He said, quote, When I went home, I tried to make small sketches of the scene while it was still fresh in my memory. Uh, in his diary, though, he tried to play it off as though it was just something that he, he didn't believe it was it was really going to happen. It was, it was a joke. He couldn't even imagine that villagers would actually kill and, and eat a 10-year-old girl.
0: Well, then what was the point of buying her for six handkerchiefs?
3: Okay, this is what, how he explained it to his wife in a letter. He said it was all a misunderstanding. He apparently said to the slave trader he didn't believe that the villagers were cannibals. The slave trader said Give me a piece of cloth and you'll see. He then said, Quote, I sent my boy for six handkerchiefs, thinking it was all a joke, and that they were not in earnest. But presently a man appeared leading a young girl of about ten years old by the hand.
0: Now at any point during this haha funny joke time did he go Oh wait, I'm I'm sorry, translator, I didn't no, please don't murder her.
3: Yeah, no. No, I, probably. I I'm just
0: going to sketch. He, he's, I'm just going to sit here and sketch. It'll be fine.
3: <laughs> he said, I, I then witnessed the most horrible, sickening sight mm-hmm. I am ever likely to see in my life. As for the sketches, he said that he was just trying to make the best of a bad lot. Well, you know, it's already done. I might as I well, do
0: not care for this man. I
3: Might as well draw it up. That it does seem kind of strange mm. that he would pay handkerchiefs of a specific amount, probably it had to be negotiated, and that he went on to sketch the events when he thought it was he was just going along with a joke. His wife took the same position as him, though, saying that, that he never believed that they would actually go through with it. He was calling their bluff or something. I don't know. Jameson never faced justice for this. He died shortly after the accusations were made from a fever that he contracted. Now, regardless of whether he thought it was a joke or not, this was not the kind of conduct the Jameson family wanted to be associated with. So with the assistance of high-level members of the Belgian government, they were able to kind of hush it up, at least most of what happened. But because of these atrocities, these types of expeditions came to an end. Uh, You could no longer just buy your way on. To a um, an expedition just for the adventure of it. In fact, all non-scientific civilian expeditions to relatively undisturbed portions of Africa and the world were suspended because of this particular event. The military and the government would still conduct expeditions, but heirs of whiskey fortunes couldn't go.
0: Oh, well, that's something, I guess. So and, and applause to Assad for speaking up and saying, hey. I I saw this happen and it didn't seem right to me Yeah, because probably he knew that the Jameson family was powerful and obviously he knew that this guy was rich and uh, he might have seen repercussions for saying what he saw.
3: I'm sure that crossed his mind. And uh, the fact that he did go to the papers with it Mm -hmm. and did sign an affidavit. It wasn't just buried, you right. know, the story wasn't just swept under the rug. As so
0: often, the stories of those who have money are.
3: Again, Squid
0: Games. Right, or any number of real life examples.
3: I got my information from all things interesting and the BBC.com. So those were different times.
0: That was rough, I yeah. I
3: know, I'm sorry, I hope yours isn't a dark story today.
0: No, it's just about how things can kill you, but that's, that's fine.
3: And now, that thing in the middle. During the 19th century, the prison systems had a very unique form of punishment. Now, obviously, it took a lot of bread to feed the prisoners. So they would harness human power by putting the prisoners on a giant wheel that was used to grind grains. Hence the name treadmill.
2: You, uh, really put on that shirt this morning and decided to wear it all day? Okay. This is the Box of
3: Oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our Aura Frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame and since i can't be there to experience it with her it's the next best thing and speaking of mothers if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life aura frames are beautiful wi-fi connected digital picture frames it allows you to share and display unlimited photos it's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the aura app and here's the thing: if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura frames, and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code oddities at checkout to save. That's aura com, and use code oddities at checkout. And you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, If you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca.
0: And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them.
3: Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help.
0: Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills.
3: Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely, thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way.
0: I don't know, like a quarter or something.
3: Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together.
0: Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight
1: for free.
3: Greenlight.com slash oddities.
1: Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Support for The Box of Oddities is provided in part by listeners like you on Patreon. You can support us too. Go to patreon.com slash box of oddities. Thank you. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth.
3: You may have heard during the last uh, recording session of our most recent episode When a demon took over, (laughs) our computer shut down and then just weird, uh, we listened to it when we went back and it was, it it was probably me from something, but
0: I don't know. I don't know. It's very confusing. It was weird. We got a message from Christopher that said, I listened to horror podcasts, but nothing prepared me for the shit-inducing terror that befell me in Box 373, when the power surged and the episode was hijacked seemingly by some demonic entity. What was even worse was how whatever was said matched nothing in the episode itself. To my favorite cat and Jethro, bravo, and I absolutely love you. To whatever minion of Satan who jumped in momentarily, <laughs> fuck you.
3: Yeah. It was weird because it was like, brruh, brruh, brruh. and so I sped it up a little bit and it sounded like it said uh, two fifty dollars a night, which, where the fuck did that come from? Do you think it was like an EVP kind of thing? I don't. Nah, me neither. Because it did sound kind of like it could have been my voice. I don't know. Anyway, thanks for the email. And yeah, I kind of shit bricks, too, when that happened.
0: Sam sent a message on Patreon and said, I heard, do you think they'll mind?
3: Really? Wow. That's, okay, now I am shitting bricks. Let's move along to your story while while I clean up. Okay. Yeah, it's a good thing that that it's in bricks. It's easier to stack. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so we've all heard of the dessert death by chocolate, right? Um, And we know about uh, theobromine, which is the chemical in chocolate that can kill dogs. That's right, why we don't right. feed dogs chocolate. Uh, well, interestingly, chocolate can kill you too.
3: Well, I imagine enough of anything would kill you. Well, <laughs> Especially if it's in like bricks, 500 pound bricks and they <laughs> fall on you.
0: Right now. Um, so you should avoid eating 85 full size chocolate bars in one sitting. <laughs> so your body won't be able to metabolize all that theobromine. Um, and yeah, 85 seems like a lot, but I mean, if they're in the fun size, you wouldn't even realize that you were doing <laughs> well, it. I'm,
3: I'm sure they're not saying the fun size because... I have probably eaten 85 fun-sized chocolate bars. In fact, the other night, I think I did. <laughs> we, had, we bought some candy for Halloween, but we're going to have to go buy some candy for Halloween.
0: <laughs> but anyway, if you do have uh, a good candy sesh, uh, keep in mind that the first signs of theobromine poisoning are nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and increased urination. But if you, if you continue eating and you, you don't expel uh, that theobromine, you can progress to cardiac arrhythmia, epileptic seizures, internal bleeding. It can cause a heart attack, and really? eventually you could die.
3: I had no idea that chocolate could be so dangerous. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the world record for chocolate consumption is.
0: Well, I hope that no one's trying to win it at this point because it's not a good idea.
3: (laughs) The winner's the loser.
0: Fortunately, according to Lost in Science, the median lethal dose for humans is about 1,000 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. So that means an 80-kilogram or 175-pound human would have to eat 5.7 kilograms or 12 pounds of unsweetened dark chocolate for it to kill them. So you're doing okay. Well, I hate dark chocolate anyway. I don't understand that. How can you prefer milk chocolate over dark chocolate? I don't understand. But then again, I do like my coffee black. And I heard not long ago that there is a correlation between those who like black coffee and dark chocolate because of the bitterness. Right. And it also correlates to those who lack empathy.
3: Yeah, uh, sociopaths and serial killers. (laughs) The only chocolate record that I can find is chocolate spread. The most chocolate spread eaten in one minute is 15.34 ounces, or 436 grams. It was achieved by André Ortolf in Germany on the 24th of April, 2020. But uh, that has nothing to do with your story.
0: André, be so careful. Now, when we went to Ecuador, we dealt with and discussed altitude sickness mm-hmm. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. We suffered a little bit with altitude sickness. You know, we got into town and had a little bit of a headache, uh, can cause nausea, just a general wonk.
3: Yeah, it felt to me like a real mild hangover.
0: Yeah. I mean, we probably also had a mild hangover, though. <laughs> oh. So let's consider that.
3: <laughs> That's true. It could have actually made it better. <laughs> but We don't know. <laughs>
0: In rare cases, altitude sickness can be life-threatening. So as your body tries to adjust to the lower air pressure and lower oxygen levels at high altitudes, and high altitude can mean 8,000 to 12,000 feet above sea level, and then there's another level called very high altitude, which is 12,000 to 18,000 feet And then there's extremely high altitude, which is 18,000 plus feet. Now, keep in mind, we're living in Orlando now, where the altitude is 112 feet above sea level. (laughs) Which is.
3: I'm feeling a little lightheaded just thinking about it. It's
0: just funny. Um, In Defiance, Ohio, the altitude is 676 feet above sea level, Albuquerque is about 5,300 feet and La Rinconada is about 16,732 feet Holy crap. above sea level. Wow! Keep in mind that an elevation of about 20,000 feet above sea level is the maximum height at which sufficient oxygen exists in the air to sustain life.
3: How many chocolate bars could you eat up there? <laughs>
0: I don't know the math there. I'm sorry. But you should keep in mind that the summit of Mount Everest is over 29,000 feet. Holy crap. So there are places on Earth that do not sustain life. And yet we keep going there. It kind of blows my mind, right? Yeah, anything above 24,000 feet or 7,500 meters are referred to as the death zone. That's an altitude where there will be noticeable deterioration of some of the body's major systems organ function will shut down and you'll only be able to remain there for two or three days before your body will just go nope no more of this i'm out yep now as we know coffee speaking of high delicious altitudes coffee is not for everyone it can cause jitters in just regular old people in in small amounts at high concentrations it can cause insomnia dizziness vomiting headaches But most people can safely take in about 400 milligrams of coffee daily. That's about four cups of coffee. Now, that's not to say that more than that would kill you, but much more than that absolutely would. A lethal dose of caffeine would come from 50 to 100 cups of coffee, Mm. which I've come close, but...
3: Well, just regular coffee. Just
0: regular coffee.
3: I mean, if you drink an espresso, it's probably a lot... A oh, yes. fewer cups. Than-
0: <laughs> yes. That being said, pure powdered caffeine, which I didn't know was a thing that you could actually get, but, but it you, is. You
3: want some now, though, don't you? kind
0: do. It can be lethal if a teaspoon is consumed at once. Holy crap. The recommended dose of powdered caffeine in this form is just one-sixteenth of a teaspoon. So that's one of those things that just in the smallest amount can be really, really dangerous. So you uh-huh. want to be careful. And it's not so uncommon to hear of people who have died from consuming too much caffeine. Well, you certainly hear about it, people who have heart conditions. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, a, a young man, I, I think he was a college student, died after having like an energy drink and a cup mm. of coffee mm. and, you know, something. It was like three or four drinks and that was it. That's all it took. Wow. And it's even more frequent with people who combine caffeine and alcohol because your body is saying, oh, I'm excited because I'm getting all this caffeine. Don't worry about, the, you know, the depressed state that your organs are facing because of the alcohol.
3: We should have kept a better eye on that when we were moving because there were a few days where we went from uh, coffee right to IPAs.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Well, it was, uh, you know, it was a special... Um, Time in our lives, and it's not like it's a pattern that we will recreate. No. So, moving on to water. As we know, there was that very well known case of water intoxication that happened in 2007. A 28 year old woman downed six liters of water in less than three hours as part of a radio station contest.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, which actually changed the way that radio stations are allowed to hold contests now.
3: Yeah, wasn't it to, to win a, uh, a Wii contest? I, I, think it,
0: I don't remember. I, I think it oh, was. Oh, yes. Hold your wee. Hold
3: your wee for, for a wee. For a wee,
0: yeah.
3: Oh, God, I'm glad I don't work in radio anymore.
0: This young lady did die a few hours later. What happens is the water regulates the shape of the cells inside our mm. bodies. And if you drink too much of it, they puff up. And there's limited space in there for yeah. puffing. Yeah. Uh, there's limited puff space. But if you get too little water, they shrink. And that's where sodium comes into play. Basically, uh, when you drink too much water, you are sending your sodium levels out of whack. And it, sodium needs a very delicate balance inside your body. We don't want your cells puffed up, but we also don't want them shrunk. And when there's too much sodium or too little water, they shrink. And that causes hypernatremia. What's that? That's when you have too little water or your sodium levels are too high. I
3: know that, but what's it do?
0: Okay. Um, Its milder symptoms include fatigue and weakness, which we know, you know, Mm -hmm. you're dehydrated, you're kind of sluggish, whatever. Uh, But if the condition worsens, it can lead to seizures and eventually coma and death.
3: Wow. I've been drinking a lot more water lately.
0: You really have. I'm super proud of you.
3: Drinking some right now.
0: There was a team of researchers led by Jeffrey Cabot of Albert Einstein College of Medicine that published a study showing that each additional four inches of height increases your risk of all types of cancer by thirteen percent among postmenopausal women. What? Just, just being tall.
3: Wow. But <clears throat> why well, I sounded like Christopher Walken there? Wow. Wow.
0: Yeah, simply being too tall. Uh, Beyond that, can put enough stress on your circulatory system and pressure on your bones to cause real problems. Uh, Scientists say that every inch above five feet can decrease your life by 1.3 years. That
3: blows my mind.
0: That's just being tall.
3: That that blows my mind. And when you think of like especially like NBA players. Some Mm -hmm. of these guys are seven feet tall and they run up and down the court all the time. Right, It's amazing more of them haven't dropped dead on national television.
0: In addition, a study of more than 2,600 elite Finnish athletes showed that cross-country skiers were six inches shorter on average and lived nearly seven years longer than the basketball players.
3: Well, there you go. Interesting.
0: Yeah. And it's there's this interesting uh, counterintuitive thought that being tall equals being healthy. And that comes from uh, like the whole correlation versus causation thing. Because back in the day, if you were tall, it's because your family had enough money to feed you well. right. right. And you could grow right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it turns out being tall actually isn't the advantage that we've always kind of thought that it might be.
3: Yeah, I think it's it's equated to strength and strength means good health and right. if A equals B and B equals
0: C, then C equals one point three less equals, years of your life. Yeah. Now you and I have had many conversations about the level at which you listen to things on your earbuds.
3: What? Beg pardon?
0: You turn the volume up too loud.
3: Maybe I do, maybe I don't.
0: No, you do. Maybe you don't
3: turn them up loud enough.
0: That's not even a thing. It
3: is a thing.
0: Well, did you know that 150 decibels is usually considered enough to burst your eardrums?
3: Hmm. No, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, and 150 decibels is only achieved if you stand like really close to a jet aircraft during takeoff or if you're mm-hmm. near an explosive blast or something like that. But it's not that much further to 185 decibels. And that's generally where they say that sound can kill you.
3: Wow, yeah, no, I remember reading some stuff about uh, some alleged CIA Mm -hmm. weapons experiments Mm -hmm. that uh, would kill people with sound waves.
0: Yeah. The general consensus is that a loud enough sound could cause an air embolism in your lungs, which mm. then travels to your heart and kills you. Alternatively, your lungs might simply burst from the increased air pressure.
3: Holy crap. Can you imagine? No.
0: Acoustic energy is just waves of varying sound pressure, and the higher the energy, the higher the pressure, the louder the sound, and the more likely you are to kick it.
3: Oh, I just remembered we got tickets to go see Tool. I'm so excited. I'm excited about that. I cannot
0: believe we can walk to go see Tool. I hope our lungs don't collapse. Me too. But if you're going to have a collapsed lung, it might as well be in the presence of Maynard James Keenan. Agreed. Thank you. Now, keep in mind that use of an outboard motor, power lawnmower, motorcycle, farm tractor, or jackhammer or something like that is going to be about half of the sound that it would take to kill you.
3: (laughs) Wow. What if you're... Okay.
0: No. Never mind. Are you going to say, what if you're using a jackhammer on a motorcycle? No. That's what you were going to say, wasn't it?
3: That's stupid. I wouldn't say that. You were going to say that. No, I wasn't. Okay. I was. But I... You had to drag it out of me. It's your own fault.
0: <laughs> You're right. I deserve that.
3: You deserved the whole motorcycle jackhammer moment that we shared.
0: <laughs> anyway, those are some things that could kill you that maybe you didn't know about. Or maybe you did know about, but they're, they were expanded upon a little bit. Or maybe you knew all of that, and I should... Just never speak again. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I got most of my information from Lost in Science, Bustle, Helix, Cleveland Clinic, Slate.com, Extreme Tech, and of course, Wikipedia.
3: Well, that is, I think, the proper clinical term for it. Some crazy ass shit. Yeah. There. And what's even more crazy is that we're less than a week from our New York show. Right. And tickets are flying out the door. Well, not really, no, no, but they are selling. And uh, if you want to get some, you've still got a chance. There's a few left. Just go to theboxofoddities.com. If you're in the New York area, you can see it live. If you're anywhere else in the world, you can watch it virtually. All the tickets are available at theboxofodities.com.
0: We hope to see you there.
3: And we look forward to seeing you next time.
0: Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And
3: fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it
2: be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.